good to see a lot of y'all. I, I don't know about you, but um, what a weird time, right? It's been, um, it's been an interesting season of uh, like a, a shifting, a sifting, a revealing, a, a shaking, if you will. Any of you guys just felt like a, a deep shaking these past four months in your life? Right? Like, I, I think what's interesting about it is that um, we've seen basically everything in our lives that we thought was so stable and so steadfast and so certain be shaken and proven that it's not. Right? We've seen school, we've seen our country, we've seen our economy, we've seen jobs, we've seen uh, the church as we understand it. We've seen so many things that like it's predictable, it's steadfast, it's certain, we, we got this. It's been shaken. And the thing I've been reminded of and I've been reminded this morning is that while the kingdoms of this world may rise and fall, the kingdom of our God will never, never end and never fail. I know it's been a hard season. It's been so hard, right, in a lot of ways. But I've also seen that nothing stops the kingdom of God advancing from the kingdom in the kingdom of darkness. And I've been reminded even this morning that there was a testimony. We threw this up on Facebook the other day. A a house church decided they were just going to do a little worship night and invite some people. And this random guy came that no one knew. He heard the gospel. He gave his life to the Lord, started getting discipled, and was baptized the other night, all in the span of five days, right? Met a guy this morning, eight days sober, and the Lord's drawing him back to himself, right? That, that's by God's grace. That, that this uns- it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if everything is unstable and everything is uncertain. The king will come and get his people, right? I mean, I heard during this time people who um, the Lord put these random people together in, in this house church to be the church together, and you couldn't get as any more opposite than these two couples. I was talking to one the other day, and he said, you know, we're going through some of the most difficult challenges in our lives right now, but the Lord has brought people that are so different than us and vote entirely opposite than us, but the Lord has removed that division and brought unity where this couple now sits with us every week as we talk together, and they walk with us through the most difficult season of our lives. That's the kingdom, right? Where, where people are willing to um, meet the needs of those around them. Those are, I've heard testimony after testimony of the season of, of you all reaching out in your neighborhoods, of loving your neighbors well, of proclaiming the gospel, for those meeting the needs of one another. I've heard testimonies for some of you in your deep loneliness and in, in isolation that the Lord has come after you. He's gotten you and he's woken your heart and drawn him to yourself. That's the kingdom. And the thing that's been on my heart this morning, it's funny, like I, we told you, we we're just going to share what God's put on our heart for the next couple of months. And I, I still will do that, but one of the greatest obstacles for the kingdom of God advancing in the church is division. Our world is never more divided, at least in my lifetime. Never more divided than I've seen lately. I'm like everything, right? 
we will divide over what kind of toilet paper is the best, right? It's Kirkland, by the way, the best. It's a jumbo roll. We'll divide over anything. We'll divide over our rights. We'll divide over Black Lives Matter. We'll divide over masks or no masks. We'll divide over, you, you, you name it, we'll find it to divide. And here's the wild thing is while the church is called to be a light in the darkness, the church has proven to be no different than the world in the, in this, in the realm of unity. I can't tell you how much I've cried these weeks, this week in particular, over division that exists in the body of Christ. And before we talk about, hey, God's calling us into this and God's calling us into that, honestly, none of it matters unless we're walking in love and unity with one another. No, I'm not saying unity means uniformity. I'm not saying we have to all agree on particular things. But the Lord has led me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He led all the elders, actually, this week to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. One of the hottest issues right now in the church is, uh, is the mask or no mask conversation. And it stinks. We know that when we say, hey, just come and do whatever you want, those that uh, are really strongly about wearing masks won't come. And we also know sometimes that those, when we say, hey, we really want you to wear a mask, those that are on the other side, they'll choose not to come. And our heart is not to choose a side or this side or that side, but to look at our hearts and say, how do we humble ourselves and surrender to the other brother or sister? See, in Corinth, they were going through all kinds of divisions too, nothing new. And their issue was over this issue of meat sacrificed to idols, right? So a lot of times in the market, they'd have meat that they'd go buy at the market, but first it was sacrificed to an idol. And um, so there are some Christians that were like, who cares? It's no big deal. Don't you have the revelation from God that the idols aren't real? These are just wood and stone. These are dumb. Who cares if we eat the food? It's not actually to a real God, so let's just eat. But there's another group of Christians that were like, you know what? This is against my conscience because it feels like we, if I'm eating this meat, it's, a sacri- I'm, it's like I'm worshiping this idol. And to see other brothers eating meat, sacrificed idols, is a stumbling block to me. And it's, it's, it's just all this division. Can I eat the meat? Can I not eat the meat? Masks. No masks. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Isn't that true? I love that he says, on every side of this issue, he says, all of us possess knowledge. And, And no matter what your topic is, no matter what side of the topic you come on, Isn't that the case? We all come at it going, I've got the knowledge. I've got the revelation from God. I've got the right science. I've got the right data. I've got the right Bible verses. I've got the right this. I've got the right that. I've got it. I've got the knowledge. Yeah, you probably do. And they probably have some that you don't have either. But what ends up happening when we're all about the knowledge we have rather than the love leading with the love 
is that with love, it says knowledge puffs up. It makes us conceited. It makes us arrogant. And what happens when you're conceited and arrogant? You're not willing to hear the other side, and they're not willing to hear you. And what ends up happening, we see face-to-face, but we also see this on Facebook. You're not hearing me, so I'm just going to yell louder at you, right? Well, you're not hearing me, so I'm going to yell louder at you. I have the knowledge, I'm going to give you more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge. And the thing that I'm realizing in my own life, and the thing that I've been reminded of this week, is so often the world doesn't need more knowledge right now, is they need more love from us. You may have the right knowledge, you may have the right revelation from the Lord, but people will not hear your knowledge and revelation until they know that you love them. And so often, isn't it right? Loving comes not from saying, I love you, that's why I'm going to speak this truth to you. It's laying my life down for you so that we can have a conversation and engage back and forth in this. And listen, you, some of you are super smart. Some of you are super intimate with the Lord, and you have great revelation. But I will tell you this. Is the greater the revelation is that you've get, gotten from the Lord, it's not it in totality. You may be wrong on certain things. It's important that we walk in humility with one another. And really Listen. Like, I think one of the things we struggle with, we don't listen well. It's like, all right, I'm hearing you, I'm hearing you talk, but I'm just waiting for me to rebut your argument so I can speak the correct thing back to you, right? That we'd understand the heart, that we'd understand where people are coming from, that we'd affirm one another in grace. He goes on to say, verse 4, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, indeed there are many gods as many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom all things exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things and through whom we exist. He's basically affirming, yeah, it's right, there's no, no other God, there's one God, that's true. He's affirming that truth. But then he says, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former associations with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Right, that's crazy, right? We, all, we love our rights. We love our right to do this. We love our right to do this. And he says, but our rights are not to get in the way of being a stumbling block to the weak. And one of the things that we're called to do is loving the brethren is that we are willing to sacrifice our own rights for the sake of someone else. I know that goes up. Well, what, what's the point? How far do we go in that right? What about this? Ask the Holy Spirit. But I think so much of it starts with the heart of, I'm not willing to give up my right to say, but how much can I give up for the brethren and ask the Holy Spirit? What does that look like in your situation? I'm not saying don't stand up for your rights. But what's the Spirit want you to do to lay those down for the brethren? Verse 10. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged? If his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Paul says at the end here, I'm willing to give up my right for the sake of the brother. Because to make a brother stumble isn't just about making them sin or making them stumble. He says you're actually sinning against Christ when you do so. So what does this mean? I 
my encouragement this morning for us is to simply examine our hearts. Some of you have deep convictions, and they're great convictions. Some of you are passionate about particular things, and they're great things to be passionate about. On all sides of this issue, even the mass thing, they're great, great, si- great things on both sides. They make a ton of sense. They're great. But the thing I often wonder is, is it bringing, breeding the things of the kingdom of the world, or is it breeding the things of the kingdom of God? If it's breeding fear, breeding control, and breeding arrogance, that's not of the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom of this world. The truth is, no matter what side you are on any of these things, we worship a God. He is in control, therefore we don't have to be. And trust me, he's a lot better at it than we are anyway. We don't need to fear what takes place around us because we fear God and him alone. We don't need to walk in arrogance because he is in control. We're inviting you to to ask yourself, what are ways that I can lay down my rights for the sake of the other? This week we decided for today we're going to continue to examine and and wrestle and pray with ongoing gatherings about masks. The elders have a variety of opinions and a variety of thoughts about masks, but we all came in unity together to this position of saying, this is a practical example for us to lay down our rights for the love of those that have a hard time with not wearing a mask. We're not trying to pick sides. We're not trying to say you're wrong or this is wrong. We're simply saying we want to do as an act of demonstration of love. Now, we're not saying for those of you that refuse to wear masks, it's not an act of love because we know your heart. Sometimes you feel like you're standing up for your rights and the rights of other people, and that's an act of love as well. But we're simply saying for now, we're choosing to lay our rights down for the sake of the brethren. And I'm going to be honest, guys. Our world desperately needs a model between individuals and people together of what it looks like to, tr- to lay our lives down for each other, to have conversations, and to sacrifice for one another. We got plenty of division. We got plenty of anger. We got plenty of hatred. We need to simply engage in conversations with one another. And that's why... We felt like we just wanted to briefly talk about that this morning before we move on to these are the things God's put in our heart. None of it matters if we're not willing to walk in love and willing to ask the Spirit, what is he asking me? How do I lay down my life for the sake of the brother? Cool? Okay. Where are we going? Over the past, heaven, (laughs) not soon enough. (laughs) It's good. Over the past four months, we have just continued to um, pray and ask the Lord, what the heck do we do? Uh, I don't know about you, but I've never been in a global, you know, situation like this. This has been an interesting season where the Lord has continued to be faithful and guide us step by step, and uh, he's led us to two previous gatherings before this to just encourage each other to worship, to check in, hear testimonies, and then as we pray, we felt like the Lord said, gather this morning to do the same thing. 
But one of the things that the Lord has continued to show us is that we, here's the deal, we've been telling you this for, for years, uh, but the Lord has continued to really reveal it over the past four months, it, is that we have equated church to simply this gathering at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And I know when you come in this morning, you look around, you're like, wow, this is really different. This is not like it once was. I miss those days of 600 people packed shoulder to shoulder, sitting on laps, sitting on the floor, worshiping the Lord together. Why can't we just get back to that, right? I look forward to that. But the reality is, who knows when that's going to take place? And if that's what we equate church to, we are going to be sorely disappointed for who knows how long. We've seen clearly over these four months that the Lord has given us expressions of what it means to be the church that include a gathering like this, but include a lot of other things as well. I think there's a graphic about this. Do, do, do. Thank you. We're all out of practice, it's fine. There we go. Right, we've said the church is this, this building. The church is these people that we meet together. And that's true in part, right? But we've also realized over these past four months, it's been solidified what we've been teaching you for the past few years, that the church is also spiritual families that are meeting in homes throughout West Michigan. Next one. There we go. There we go. Where it's brothers and sisters gathering together to spur one another on, to meet practical needs, to get in the word, to seek the Lord, to obey what he says, to to spur one another on to go out and make other disciples. That's also part of what it means to be the church together as well. We've seen that take place over these past four months to a greater degree than we ever have before. We've also seen that there's just this natural life of the believers together through the week where there's other things that are starting to pop up like teaching opportunities that don't always revolve around this building or this Sunday morning deal, but it revolves around people in their living rooms or people uh, gathering together in different places around the city where they're teaching different aspects of what it means to know the Lord and to know the Word. There's other things popping up, like worship nights, worship times, prayer times, prayer gatherings that are beginning to bubble up. And the Lord has continued to affirm to us that we need to press in not just to this gathering, continue for this gathering, but also to empower you to be the church outside of these walls the other days of the week. As difficult as these four months were, we saw that when you were released to do so, we, we saw many of you step into this. And some of you chose other routes, and that's totally fine. Some of you pressed into your family, some of you pressed in with your neighbors, some of you pressed in with your friends. That's awesome. But what we're saying, the Lord is continuing to affirm to us, we need to continue, oh yeah, and neighborhoods. We've seen people coming to know the Lord, as I mentioned earlier. Neighborhoods starting to be saturated with the gospel because the church has been deployed, the church has been sent outside of these walls. So the Lord has laid on our heart for the next three months to do a little experiment. It might be a hot mess and totally fail. It might be all right. But what the Lord has laid on our heart to, to try and experiment, we'll tweak along the way, is that starting in August, we are going to have a different region of Moran Park meeting on Sunday mornings in this building. We want to s- split you out into four different regions using a cute acronym called SEND, right? Thanks, Daniel. Um, we're the first Sunday of the month 
We want south side. That means south of here, uh, south side, all the way down, south, Hamilton, all that stuff. That you come and meet. Here, worship together. There'll be teaching. There'll be some encouragement. There'll be some testimonies. Second Sunday of the month will be the east side of Holland into Zealand and beyond out that way. Hudsonville, Granville, Grand Rapids. Third Sunday, the north side, all up the lakeshore. And fourth Sunday, downtown. Fifth Sunday, we don't know yet. The Lord hasn't said. We'll let you know. I know this feels weird. Like, why aren't we getting back to meeting every Sunday all together? Not yet. That's not what the Lord has said. Now, if you show up on a different week that's not where you live, that's totally fine. Um, But the reason for this is twofold. There's a lot of people that won't come to a gathering like this because it's still too big for them where they don't feel comfortable. And we want to make space for them to be able to come. This spreads people out and creates more space for people to come. The second reason is because one of the things that we've learned during this time is the importance of you knowing your neighbor and the people that live around you. As those relationships have formed, ministry has taken place, care has taken place. And so we want to use some of that opportunity when we gather together with people that live around you that you would come and get to know those folks here. Because what happens, right, if things continue to lock down more, again... That you would know your neighbor and be able to minister together with them and care for one another. During those other weeks where your region isn't gathering here, we're going to continue to encourage you to meet uh, as, a, as a house church as we define it or with other believers in, in, a, in a more organic expression, how, however you define that to be. But we continue to see the value of you being in a spiritual family where you get to participate, where you get to encounter uh, one another's gifts and minister to each other and hold each other accountable and support spur one another on. So we're going to continue to invite you into uh, those house churches. The way that you can do that is even starting this morning, if you're not currently in a house church, is there's these sign-up sheets up front here. That um, if you're interested at all, it doesn't commit you to anything. If you're interested, you can just sign your name, your information, and just circle what region you're in. Because we want to hopefully put you with people that are in your region so that you can come with your house church on those weeks where your region gathers. You're going to continue to see during the week more teaching opportunities pop up for you to go to. More prayer opportunities for you to go to. More worship times for you to go to that aren't in this gathering here. We believe the Lord is continuing to use this time together in a larger setting to encourage, to build up, but so that we may be people who are sent out to be the church in our communities the rest of the week. I know you've probably, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about this question? Um, if you have specific questions, please ask. We might have thought through it. We might not have. Again, it's simply an experiment, and so we're willing to tweak along the way. But we have seen... Uh, we, we have seen the church come alive during this time by believers, believers gathering together and living this out. We want to conter- encourage you to continue to come along with us on this journey. Again, if you show up Sunday after Sunday, no one's going to kick you out. <laughs> you got it, right? But even what we do when we gather on a Sunday morning, might, we're going to experiment with that. We believe these are important gatherings that they complement what's going on with the church the rest of the week. was complement what's going on with house churches. But we want to, as we're experimenting with what those other gatherings look like, we're also experimenting with what this gathering looks like as well. How do we best equip you, train you to send you out to be the church from this place? 
So I invite you to come along with us. That's where we're going. If you have any questions, you can always uh, you can meet with myself, one of the elders, and all the contact information for us is on the website. Um, on that note, let's pray and we're going to worship some more. God, we thank you for the work that you have been doing. We thank you for the way that your kingdom is advancing, the way that you've been leading us, the way that you've been guiding us, the way that you have, um, you've been maneuvering in this. But God, for a lot of us, it's been a season of grief. Things are just not the way that they used to be. Things aren't the way, like almost any of our lives, things are totally different. They're not the way that they used to be. And so, God, I, I ask that you would uh, be with us in our grief. As we're grieving, oh, what was, or why can't we do this, or be back to the way it was. God, that you would hold us in that grief, but you would also encourage us to step where you're calling us to step. That you would continue, God, to see your kingdom advance in city blocks around West Michigan. That we would see our country transformed by the power of the gospel as believers are unleashed and sent forth, God, to be representatives through the proclamation and declaration of your kingdom, O God. God, we continue to confess our need for you, our dependence on you. We need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your insight, O God. And would you give us the grace to continue to walk in humility, to correct us where we're off, to redirect us when we, we, we take a wrong step, God. We pray this all in Jesus' glorious and holy name. Amen.